Thank you so much, girls. Amazing grace. I saw their mom down there mouthing the whole time. You're not proud or anything? Nothing like that. <laughs> Thank you very much, girls. You did an excellent job. Jerry and Rola Vanderveen are with us this morning. I will not tell you that Rola has a birthday. How close is it? Oh, I'm not supposed to tell you. <laughs> 30 and holding. And holding and holding. <laughs> now I'm really in trouble. <laughs> Jerry is no uh, stranger to many of us, but some of our young folks not, might not know Mr. Vanderveen real well. When I came here to Bible school, uh, Jerry, I can't remember if you, I, I, th I think you were here as, when I first came. And uh, he was leader of the CSSM, and they had their office right at the Bible school. And I remember visiting him sometimes, and then he moved on. And right now, I believe he is the pastor. I, I get this mixed up every time. Whitney or Whitby? Whitney? Whitney, Whitney New Brunswick. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I preached there when Jerry was away, so I, sh I should remember that, but I don't. <laughs> it's Rolla. It, my mind is, is a lot older than yours is, I guess. I walked in last, no, night before last, I was bringing a gift certificate to uh, uh, Murray's for them and the other night, and I walked in and Rolla was knitting. And I, I thought that was so neat, and I asked her what she was knitting. She was doing something for her, her feet there, and it reminded me of my mother-in-law. Uh, she always knitted our kids. They used to call them Grammy socks. And they would put these things on, and they'd start at one end of the hall and rush down the other and slide the whole way. They were real neat. Just kind of gave me a, a, a comfortable feeling with your role. Uh, really neat to have you with us uh, along with your husband. We're going to turn the rest of the time over to you, Jerry. Um, he's here tonight too, so I don't know if he's going to continue the whole day or if he'll stop and then come back tonight, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you for being with us, Jerry. That's a good thought, brother. I appreciate that because I've been inoculated with a phonograph needle. Girl says, that's way out of order now. It should be an iPod. You swallowed one. Well, it's so good to be with you once more. And uh, those girls, they left us. I was going to say, you make sure when we conclude the service, you come up and give me a hug because that was good. And it's good to see young people singing as they do. And everybody said, amen? Yes. Keep it up, girls, wherever you are. And uh, yes, I always thought that I was living a reasonably decent life this last while, but was last night I had to stand before the judge. But it all worked out all right because Murdell fed me good. <laughs> and uh, we had a, a good time with them. And then Shirley, Shirley Knowles, she entertained us last night, and I couldn't, I couldn't help but look out that window because we lived right next door for a number of years, you know. And uh, while living there, I was looking to see if our little girls were out there. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? But it was good years, beautiful years that we had. Now the girls are here, there, and elsewhere. Where are they? Just a quick update. 
Our oldest is a long way from home, too far from home, and she has our grandchildren all the way to Nevada. Pray for them way over yonder. We're going God wills next week, and that is because of Rola's birthday and my birthday, and the other two girls, uh, they purchased us a ticket so that we can go down. And I in, would inform you that when we go to Nevada, we're not going to go to lost wages. All right. So we got that straight. <laughs> we're not going to go there. So now to consider the precious word of God, there's so many things that I'd like to share. One thing that does come to mind, the first time that I was in the pulpit here was in 1971. We'd had a very difficult experience just before that, a church that we lost. We don't like to talk about that much, but we found out 20 years after the fact what transpires. There were three families in that church were in the occult and uh, too young to be able to understand it all. And you were looking for a pastor, and I filled in that one Sunday. And then we ended up in Idaho where God, after the Canadian revival, some of you perhaps are familiar with what transpired there back in 71, 72, under the ministry of uh, Bill McLeod and his church, Ebenezer Baptist Church, and uh, then uh, the Sotera twins, they traveled the circuit. And I've traveled the circuit with them a little bit thereafter to South Africa and so on. But that is when God really refreshed us in himself. So any message that I have, I would say, has been improved to a considerable degree when I had to conclude it's no longer I, but Christ that liveth in me. Well, we then, of course, some years later, ended up living on the campus, and that as the Atlantic director of the Canadian Sunday School Mission. And we had the privilege, and I really contended with, oh dear, did I contend with God? I mean, I did <laughs> contend with God when we had those phenomenal experiences in Kamei, Idaho, uh, initially, it wasn't so because, again, there were some complications, very serious, but we had to set up a church court and deal with some of those issues and lost, of course, a number of families, lost six families that I recall. But after that, because we dealt with it in a biblical way, prayerful way, then, praise the Lord, what happened? Then the revival broke out in that church. And then the church doubled. And um, we got into a, a bus ministry. We had a radio ministry. And whatever else we did, and we went door to door to door to door. And we were on the way to, well, not quite tripling. And then we were at, New, at uh, Prairie Bible Institute. And uh, we were there with um, my brother and sister, my sister and brother-in-law. And um, I had a dream. I don't know what you think about dreams. But anyway, that dream said this. Uh, Jerry, you're going back to Canada. We loved it in Idaho, and things were phenomenal, what's going on. And I mentioned it the next morning to my brother-in-law around the kitchen table, and he uh, looked at me, and he says, Oh, thou dreamer. Hmm, maybe that's right. Anyway, then Laurie McAllister. Do you remember Laurie McAllister? Everybody that was in those days around this area, Laurie McAllister, and uh, we were eating in the dining hall, and Laurie asked, where is, Rola, where is Jerry sitting? Asked Rolla the question. And she said, over there. he got on his knees in front of me. He said, Jerry, you're the man. For what, Laurie? He says, you're going to be the next Atlantic director of the Canadian Sunday School Mission. 
God had given me that message just the night before. And uh, here I am. I fought it. I went home and I fought it. As a matter of fact, I recall Sunday after the evening service, I sat all by myself in the front lawn of this new parsonage that purchased or built for us. And uh, I said, God, you know what's going on here. I think I need to be in a position of advisement for you to get this thing straightened out because this is just too good. Things are happening here. And anyway, this is the question as I'm talking to you and you're talking to me. This is how it came to me as God spoke to me. Who constitutes the call anyway? Is it the need or is it me? I says, God, you constitute the call. Then he said, pack your bags. So we did. And uh, that's when we ended up here around about 6 o'clock in the morning after quite a duress. Well, we had a few complications coming across uh, the United States of America, crossed it uh, uh, where Detroit, and it came across... And we only had, what, three split rims and five flat tires all the way from there to here. And it was about 6 o'clock in the morning we came. And, of course, the little house was locked up. So I had to knock on Joe Kerr's door. And uh, we got in, slightly fatigued, but we managed. And then, of course, we had the sweet years of being with you, dear folk, for those. So that's a little update. Where are girls? One I mentioned is Nevada. The other one is just outside of Halifax, married. Carolyn is in uh, St. John, but she's not married. Uh, why did I say that? Not that I'm shopping for her, but anyway, she's, uh, she's a sweet girl and walking with the Lord, and we praise God for them. And I think I shared a verse with someone Possibly with you, Brother Larry, the other day. What shall a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own children? I know it's not quite what the Scripture says. At least uh, uh, that's not what you find in the King James. Uh, but anyway, that's it. And we thank God that they made that profession of faith. And that, of course, suggested the, the Miramichi Bible Camp. And then after that, when we had that going, then it was the Hampton Bible Camp and a couple of churches in between uh, well, interjected, inserted among all of that, uh, with a few of the graduates from the school. Georgetown is one, and uh, where's the other one? It'll come to my mind a little bit later on. Uh, it seems as though at this stage of my life, I suffer a little bit from sometimers. Sometimes I remember, sometimes I don't. Matter of fact, I told Brother Larry, I even have to enlarge my message so that I can see it, but I trust that that will clear up. What am I going to talk to you about in the few moments that I have left? How many do I have? I have about 20 minutes. Glory be in a 45-minute message. All right. The questions we ask. I'm entitling this, The Questions We Ask. You ever ask any questions? Oh, God. Oh, God, why? Where? Now, the reason we ask the question is because there are things we don't understand, and praise God, we don't. This is where faith comes in. And there's a lot of things that uh, I may not understand. I don't doubt, God forbid, but I may question. Tragedies come our way, and we ask maybe a thousand times, why, God? Why this complication? Anyone have any com hey, who doesn't have complications? Luke chapter 7 reveals some of the mighty works of Jesus 
while this man, of whom that we're reading particularly in this portion of the word, John chapter 7, is John. He's imprisoned. And all these mighty works are going on. And that, of course, ultimately brought some distinct doubts to this man who was imprisoned, John. John, the great evangelist. John heals the centurion's, or God heals the centurion's servant, as we read in this particular section in verse 10, which we're not read this morning uh, because of the length of it. And then God raises a widow's son to life, we read about that in verses 14 and 15. But John is imprisoned. How can this be when the great God of the universe can work such miraculous ordeals and I am languishing away in this prison? Well, you know, John following the, following John the Baptist, the following questions or question was asked by him. Art thou he that should come or look we for another? Verse 19. Are you really the Christ? And if you really are the Christ, how come that I'm in this prison? In essence is what is the thought. See, he'd been in there for some time now. And he was blinded. He was blinded by his discouragement and the perplexities in which that he finds himself. And he can't see Jesus' deity because of the circumstances. That seems to be the situation for this dear man. Why am I suffering if Jesus is really the Christ. He made me. He should be able to make me better. He knows all how to unleash me from this situation, but he's not doing that. Are you really the Christ? Psalm chapter 49, verses 14 and 15. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. And I'm sure that John, familiar with the Old Testament, would have read a lot of that. But he's still languishing in this position. Consider what Jesus said to Ananias regarding Saul. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now that's a sermon in itself because we know that how did Saul, later called Paul, how he made the church to suffer and now it's coming back. Whatever goes around comes around. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Acts chapter 9 verse 16. John had earlier said, that's the one we specifically have in mind, he must increase, but I must decrease. Had he forgotten that? John chapter 3 and verse 30. Not only is John in prison, but give him a little bit more time and he's going to be beheaded. Where is the Christ, the Son of the living God? First Peter chapter 1 verses 6 through 7 says the following, Now for a season... If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith, 
being much more precious than of gold, that gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know, man looks at the physical kingdom. As a matter of fact, if we read, read Acts chapter 1, that's what the question was. Art thou at this time going to restore the king? No. The Lord was preparing them for the eternal kingdom. And whatever we go through, it is in preparation for the eternal kingdom. What are you going through, my dear brother, my dear sister? I specifically took this message, uh, this, these thoughts, because I assume that basically we'll be talking to the believers. And we as believers, we go through some dire circumstances. Are you here this morning with some of those distinct complications? that you even are at the stage where you doubt to some degree, or at least you have somewhat of an anguish or even anger in your heart. Jesus' miracles met John's expectations, however, but that did not take him out of prison. He's still there, about to be beheaded. Has John forgotten that those who would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Around the world, it's astronomical what's going on. How the church is persecuted. How a dear mother with her little child, children clinging to her, but father just being martyred because he loved the Lord and was preaching it. Under, of course, Islam and other isms. Has John forgotten that this word lieth in the wicked one? It still is. But God, why don't you do something about it? I've had that question. But then the Lord tells me this according to Second Peter chapter 3. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God would pull the plug right now and take all the believers home, and now we enter into a stage where there's no more grace, but now it's judgment. How many of your loved ones would be absent from that day? So the Lord is allowing this to continue, and you are in complicated situations because the evil one is still, to a great degree, ruling. Has John forgotten that we are not yet set free from the presence of sin? Again, the same thought in mind. Wait a while. There's someone else that's going to come into the fold. And then when the last one comes into the fold, there'll be no reason to leave you here and we'll take all of the bride home. Does that make sense to you? Talk to me, somebody. It's awful lonesome up here. That's my assumption of things. But now what is the question? The question that arises Will a righteous God allow wrong to triumph? Over the years in the churches that we've pastored, I don't know, but there's always been some complication of some sort in some churches, if not all of them. And certainly in various lives, and I'm sure that you're not an exception in terms perhaps of your own personal life, or perhaps in terms of the needs in the church. You know, we might have the question, how can little children suffer for the sins of parents? Well, perhaps we'd have to go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5. 
the iniquity of the fathers is visited upon the children of third and fourth generation. That may be part of it. Have we done well by them? But the question still is there, Lord. How can parents suffer broken hearts over rebellious children? How can the innocent be trodden underfoot by the oppressor? Comparatively, do not have that complication here in the, quote, free world, unquote. We have other battles to fight that may not yet be physical. The question that arises is, why is God helping others and not helping me? God, I've got some needs right now. God could restore the sight, but you remain blind. God could have enabled you to walk, but you remain on crutches. God could have opened the prison door of your circumstances, but you remain a captive. I think that those are some of the realities of life today. And the question that arises, what have I done to deserve this? Let me just share this with you. Joseph, as a slave in Egypt, he became a blessing. He became a blessing to the nation of Israel. Daniel in the lion's den proved the sovereignty of God. Jesus' death on the cross proved to be eternal life for me. The anguish of that day. I was thinking of that, the old rugged cross. And I was playing that on my harmonica. And I had my eyes closed. And I could kind of see the blood that was dripping from his veins. And the anguish. And then at last, when his head fell down, he says, it is finished. And he committed himself to his God, the God Almighty, of whom did it ask, could this cup pass from me? But thank God it didn't. He went through it. Why? Because they had concern for you and for me. A little bit further, the question that arises, why are the children of God most bitterly tried? Listen, everybody is not a sunshine situation for the Christian. It's not always sunshine for the believer. Think for a moment of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I got that wrong a number of times, and I thought it's said to bed we go, but it's Nebednego. The fire was seven times hotter for that particular fellow or those fellows. But through it, Nebuchadnezzar was converted. Through the heat of that fire, all the Babylonian kingdom were introduced to God Almighty. How do you handle some of the complications that you go through? That is the test of Christianity, if you really are. And may I suggest to you, as I suggested to Mrs. Mead a little while ago, you know, uh, if we don't have troubles today, we'll have some tomorrow. Life is full of them. But how do we radiate? How can we handle the complications when we have complications? Noah was scoffed and ridiculed for 120 years. And then the flood came that saved his family. 
Jonah had a whale of an experience. You might recall that. And after that, Nineveh repented when he met with God. Moses was in the backside of the desert for 40 years before he was qualified to be the leader of the children of Israel. I think we need a desert experience occasionally where we're on our face before God. Oh my God, where are you? May I just insert, insert this very briefly? And that is, morning by morning, it is my prayer before I rise. God, watch over my family. Yes. But rise up within me and live your life through me. And give me some divine appointments. Well, I prayed this specifically when we were coming this way. Yesterday we were in a particular shop. I gave the name to Ed Seeley to follow him up. And had the privilege of the gentleman that was operating this particular shop. He accepted Jesus as his Savior. Lord, give us some divine appointments. And if everyone would do that, and even half of them would come to this little church, it would have an astronomical growing experience. What did our A. Tory says? You know that it's the church where it's considered that the shepherd will give birth to the lambs instead of the sheep. What if you would ask God that there also would be a distinct divine appointment that God would set up for you with some needy souls. And I'm guaranteeing you there's a lot. A little bit later on, we might be able to tell you another gentleman in this area. As a little time passed, we had the privilege of leading to Christ from Florenceville. Hitchhikers. Now, I don't suggest, ladies, you pick up all hitchhikers, but I have a tendency of doing that after all. I have my hands on the wheels, right? Follow me? All right. Anyway, this young man responded to coming to the Lord. And not very long ago, similarly, another place, horrific weather condition. I picked him up and someone had given direction as to where he should be going. Altogether out of the way. Total wrong directions. I concluded with him, this is the wrong direction. If you're going to from point A to point B, hey, listen, you're going the wrong, the long way around. But then we concluded because he asked Jesus to be his savior. You know, this is the right direction. Otherwise, we never would have met. And that young man also gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, normally, we have no complications, even though on one occasion, and I don't want to scare you too much, but I picked up two. One was sitting in the front seat. One was sitting in the back seat. The one in the front seat asked me the question, a very simple question, what if we would kill you? Well, I said, I'd go to heaven and you'd go to hell for it. That's pretty rough stuff, isn't it? Well, it wasn't too long and they were out of the car. But nevertheless, now, is, was that a serious factor? Well, two weeks later, one of them was in Moncton, and if you would have your memory serve this factor, there was somebody murdered, and that person was accomplice to the murder of that individual. 
Thank the Lord, but they heard the gospel. Obviously, it didn't affect that particular individual. But listen, we are exhorted to have faith in Christ. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 36 to 38. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourging. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned and sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Very briefly, the question is delivered. Not by John, but by some of his disciples. Art thou he? Are you really the Christ? You know, the greatest saints are made out of flesh and blood. And it is very possible that we have complications in our thought pattern from time to time in regards to ordeals when we go through certain situations. The fires of tribulation really reveal the depth of our relationship with Jesus Christ. If all is straight ahead and the sun is shining, it's not too difficult to be a believer. But what if it's elsewhere? Those difficult times. His imprisonment led him to have his question brought to Jesus by others. He was not obviously able to come to Jesus, but others brought it. When he felt rejected, his disciples, as the Bible says in verse 18 of our text, the disciples of John told him all these things. When he could not communicate, there were friends who were able to communicate on his behalf. I like that. This is why we have prayer times and how often we don't pray for this dear soul that is sick. But we need to pray probably much more that God will give us appointments that we can reach those who are lost. Not underestimating the fact that we need to pray for one another when there's illness, but how much more so invariably for those who are lost. The question is delivered when these scarcely, when there's scarcely faith to pray, God brings others along who will pray. I'm going to have to just pass over a considerable amount of material. My time is gone already. But the question is ultimately answered. Yep, the question is ultimately answered. And that by the works of Jesus, oh, the marvels of Jesus, what he has done, even in creation. John chapter 14 and verse 1. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, believe me, for the very work's sake. John, you have heard what has transpired with these two miraculous ordeals. People were made whole. Can you believe it? The question is answered. The prophesied ministry of Jesus on earth was completed and later the latter part will be completed soon. I'm thinking of Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, and also verse 2. Preach good tidings unto the meek. Bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Opening of the prison to them that are bound. And our tomorrows coming so soon, verse 2, proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, 
to comfort all that mourn. Now, the question is answered by the word of the Lord Jesus. Only faith can say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And until we can really utter that, and it comes from our heart, do we really have an indistinct relationship with God? Only Jesus could say, Believe me for my work's sake. John chapter 20 and verse 28. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. We have not seen Christ as such, but we believe. Blessed are you who will so believe. Thomas had to see it, and he believed. We conclude Jesus' word to all of us is simply this. Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. I believe you, Lord. I embrace you, Lord. I want to walk with you. How blessed are those who suffer but still trust. How blessed are they who are slain but still trust. How blessed are they who are bitterly tried but still trust. How blessed are they who have nights of pain and days of weariness but they still trust. How blessed are they when others are healed and some of us are not but they still trust. Some suffer as though the hand of God were turned against them. But not really so. They still trust. As the scriptures say, though he slay me, yet will I trust. And so soon, so very soon, it'll be over. We'll be with him. The world may mock, where is now your God? Well, he's tucked away deep down in my heart irrespective of the circumstances that I'm going through today and which we possibly may be going through tomorrow. I'm not a prophet that I can predict what's going to transpire, but it would be very strange when so much of the world is being persecuted and comparatively we are not. But it's on the horizon. And then the Lord says this, as Jesus says to the tribulation saints, yet for a little season, Yet for a little season, it'll all be over. And he'll be home with me, subject, of course, to agreeing with his diagnosis of our case. We're sinners by nature, and consequently we practice it. Just like a dog, young people. If I'd ask you the question, do you know why a dog barks? Because he's a dog. Do you know why men sin? It's because it's their nature. They sin because it's their nature. And nobody but nobody, if there's perhaps a dear friend here that does not know Jesus, nobody's going to go to hell because he or she is a sinner. But you will if you reject the cure. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And it's for the whosoever will that may come. So this is my precious Savior, your precious Savior, and he's calling you. Perhaps even by way of the circumstances that you're going through. Lord, I've seen others healed, but I'm sick. 
I've got complications. I'm imprisoned as John is in various facets of my life. But it's still God. And I'm trusting him completely because of whom he is and what my tomorrows will be. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And afterwards, I do trust you'll come by and see us at our table, Gospel Mission of South America. I made very little of that. I trust I represented the Lord well, but the GMSA is a ministry in South America, and we have some brochures for you. Let's take a moment to pray. Now I'll turn it back over to Brother Larry. We are two minutes past. So some of you, dear ladies, are concluding that the turkey's going to burn soon, so we'd better close in prayer. As our heads are bowed, And we're allowing God by his Holy Spirit to grant us a visitation. And when he tells you and me, come unto me. Then he also says, cast all your care upon me. Because I care for you. Perhaps a few things that have been said. By that God has put his finger on some issues. Some problems in your life. And God is able to carry them for you. He's able to set you free. He might say right now, Yea, Lord, it's me. I come this morning with a burden on my heart. Here it is. It's his invitation to you. Just slip up your hand and say, It's me. I have a distinct burden right now, Lord. I'm going to leave it with you. Hey, God, we thank you for this, our time together this morning. And may we have the privilege again this evening. Grant a fresh slice of bread for us tonight also, that we shall be encouraged in the faith. Bless this congregation, we pray. And may they continue to have a great effect in world evangelism. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.